Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharpross, and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Let's do this. Welcome. I'm Kathy Sharp-Ross, your host, and I am so excited for Brett Sadler to be my guest on today's show, The Power of Reinvention. This conversation is going to touch on important business and some personal and life-changing reinventions, the state of the industry, and some fun conversations between two what I would call new friends, a friend that I made, frankly, right before the pandemic. We did this massive event in Vegas for one of our clients, Forbes Travel Guide, at Aria, and Brett and I met prior to that around corporate partnerships and business development for this project that we were working on. So a newer friend in my life who I hoped I would have seen more often in the last year, but hopefully in the in the months ahead. This show is inspired in my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? and my Reinvention Virtual Chat series that I've been producing for the last year, since March of last year. So I hope you'll enjoy today's chat and walk away feeling inspired and with a new sense of what's possible so that you can reinvent some part of your life. So welcome, Brett. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I love it. I know we've got so much fun stuff that you and I both do for a living and that have been, you know, changes in the world and stories that, you know, we're going to dig out of you today. So let me just share with the audience a little bit about you and your background. Brett began her sports and entertainment career working for the Florida Panthers Hockey Club, Sunrise Sports and Entertainment, on a few teams, including ticketing, promotions, and marketing partnerships. She then joined Octagon in the Atlanta office where she led the Home Depot partnerships with ESPN College Game Day, select teams, leagues, and properties such as USOC, Falcons, Braves, Hawks, AEG, NASCAR, as well as oversaw hospitality programming, store events, and the Home Depot Foundation golf program. After her six-year stint in Atlanta, Brett joined UFC in 2011 and led the Global Marketing Partnership Activations, which included strategy, execution, and development with partners such as Anheuser-Busch, Harley-Davidson, Dodge, AirAsia, Modelo, Monster Energy, Body Armor, and Metro PCS. After eight years with UFC, she took the Global Head of Corporate Partnerships role at MGM Resorts International. Her team is responsible for identifying impactful, like-minded brands and developing custom partnerships to drive revenue. Her team also oversees implementation measurement and overall partner management. MGM partners currently include Anheuser-Busch, Clorox, which I know is a new one, which I just read about, Fuelster, Coke, and Pepsi, which is quite unusual and very interesting that that would be the case. And uh, gosh, there's so much more to tell, but I think we should just delve into this amazing conversation. And kudos to you on all that you've done. I mean, truly, thank you. some pretty amazing things that you've been working on. So all the power to you. And wow, what a year. What, a, what, a, what an interesting time for all. Um, you fall into that world, that category of businesses that were hit hard. 
and you know it was probably a really interesting time but i think before we get into that i'd love to take you back in time <laughs> a little bit and yeah. knowing this really interesting sort of path you've been on i'd love to hear sort of these different changes in your careers and where you've been and you know what maybe spurred those on and were those moments of fear and courage when you had to kind of delve into these big changes so maybe take us back a little bit sure um so the first kind of moment of courage, um, I'm going to actually go prior to my bio that you read, but as a graduate of the University of Miami, um, the time that um, I was graduating was uh, the Florida Marlins being incepted and brought into the MLB. And a lot of the people I was working with went and left and went to the Marlins. And at the time, um, Wayne Azinga owned the, the Marlins and the Dolphins. And then he also bought the Florida Panthers expansion team, which was a year right after the Marlins. It was supposed to be two years after the Marlins, but we came into the league at the same time that the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim came into the league. And Disney wanted their team to start when the movie launched in the theaters. Yeah, I so, totally remember. I was right. actually working on the ice <laughs> rink for the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, yes. And they where they had their training center. center. Yeah. yeah. So I remember that period of time right. very well. So Disney pushed us to get into the league on their timeline. So there was this big rush of setting up the front office. And because Wayne had the Marlins and the Dolphins already, there was a lot of talent he could pull uh, to create the Panthers front office. And so I kind of fell into this space of doing that um, based on the network and the connections that I had. But the courage part was that I was done with college. I wasn't working a full-time job or I was working for a full-time job, but it was with a, an ad agency or a, sorry, an activation agency working on Southern Wine and Spirits partners. So Seagram's Gin and Captain Morgan. So I was the market manager from Key West to Melbourne, Florida mm -hmm. and everything in between. And so I was working this job on my own, living, you know, living the life on South Beach. You know, I literally had to like report into my headquarter offices in Tampa and everything was via fax and I had to go to mailboxes, et cetera, to like send in my oh, expense wow. report. I mean, they weren't, <laughs> I don't even think we had computers. I'm not sure. Right. Anyway, very yeah. manual. Um, yes. And I lived on South Beach. I'm like, this is a great job. I'm working bars and I'm, I'm hiring models and, and we're, you know, decorating the bars during the day and then going out at night, whatever. But when the Panthers um, came back into, came into the picture, I really wanted to get in into that. And there was really not an opportunity at the time because the, the Marlins and the Dolphin staff was everybody's kind of being pulled in to lift this, the ship up. And um, I called my parents and I'm like, look, I have an opportunity. I can go sell season tickets for the Florida Panthers on a commission only basis, but that's commission only. Like that's not going to pay my bills. So I literally picked up the phone and called my parents and, and thankfully they're like, okay, give it one more shot. Like this is it. And that was it. So like I left the promotional concept job, went to the, the Panthers, literally with the phone book, sitting in the bullpen with everyone else selling season tickets to um, businesses and people in South Florida who didn't even know what hockey was unless they were a transplant. Right. Um, and you didn't know what kind of team you were going to get. So you were just basically selling this unknown. Um, and that was my break. That was my courageous moment of like, oh my gosh, like this is it, last chance. Um, so I left yeah. a job to do that. Um, and that, that got me into, that takes, that takes courage. <laughs> well, and it was not even a guaranteed job. So after season tickets were quote unquote sold and not sold as the season started and we got into preseason, there were no season tickets to sell because 
everyone was buying single game seats at that point as you start chipping away at the schedule. And just being in the office, I, I really connected back with the partnerships team. A lot of the sponsors kind of knew who I was. So I, I just kind of gravitated into the sponsorship team. Um, and, you know, 13 years later, I was, you know, senior director of that department, which, which is a lot of milestones. We, we uh, went to the Stanley Cup finals. We had the year of the rat, which was this infamous time where um, our fans were throwing rats onto the ice and made oh ESPN God. Sports Center all the time. <laughs> uh, they were fake rats, but um, rats one of our, nonetheless. The rats nonetheless. The story behind that is that one of our players, uh, as they were walking onto the ice, one time the rat into the wall because he ran across like their their um, uh, their line when they were walking onto the ice, and he one time right. the rat and it died in the wall, you know, against the wall, oh and then. Um, he scored, he scored two goals that night and it was the first rat trick. And so that's the story of the rats. And uh, so that was just I this amazing South Florida moment that then, you know, it, it actually was the year of the rat. It was a Cinderella story. All of a sudden we were in the Stanley cup, you know, playoffs with the avalanche and we got right. swept in four, but that was amazing. Um, I went through two lockouts. We hosted a draft. We hosted an all-star game. We did, uh, we moved to a new building. Uh, we named it twice. <laughs> Um, and that was, that was kind of like everything but winning a Stanley cup for me. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that's a big deal to go through that and be a part of that kind of business. Yeah. It was, it was definitely exciting ups and downs, um, lots of leaders changing, coming and going and, and adapting to each and every one of them as, as our leadership changed. So that was, and you uh, probably had to, you, I would imagine, Brett, you had to learn a lot on the job, like, you know, it, as in any growth trajectory within a job, mm-hmm. you're sort of learning on the job at the same time. Were the some, were there mentors in your life? Were there people that you felt really sort of helped pave the way for you for that? Or was it all sort of very self-taught and I'm going to figure this out and, I want to do more and I'm going to learn how to do that so that I can be that. Was there yeah. a lot of that? Yeah. We, um, we, I had great mentors. Um, my first um, boss uh, at the Florida Panthers uh, was Kim Terranova Sharetta, and I'll never forget her. And she's still one of my mentors today, but she really paved the way. She's a female leader and Amazing. she taught me head to toe almost everything I know. So you know, kudos to Kim. And and again, the other, the other leaders, you know, still are friends of mine today and mentors of mine. And I'm in touch with, with many of them. And I've said this before, but this South Florida community and especially Wayne Huizinga's three teams, you know, it was a special time um, to be a part of Wayne's world is what we kind of called it. It, (laughs) it You can't, you can't ever duplicate that. And, and we're a really big family. um, So and we come in and out of each other's lives constantly. So right. it's nice to know. And so that me. transition from that to UFC, which mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about separately because I have friends that have worked there. So we must know a handful of people. <laughs> I'm sure. Part. Yes. Um, but was that, you know, so was that an aha moment for you of it's time to move on? Was, did you get the phone call? Like, what was that yeah. sort of moment for you in, in transitioning? So actually the next, that next courageous moment was that time of stepping away from a team day in, day out, 41 games, you know, very short off seasons. Mm-hmm. And actually before UFC was, went to Octagon and that was a big, big change. Oh, yes. One of the, one of the most impactful changes that had happened. I looked at, at my career at that time. And after 13 years of, of being at the Florida Panthers and, and I truly, you know, still bleed blue and red 
um, that looking at what was going on in the market with partnerships, how they were spending their money, very scrutinized on how their funding was used. You know, did someone just buy a sponsorship because they wanted the front row seats? Do they want, you know, there was a lot of that going on at that oh, time. Yeah. And so yeah. I really felt like I needed to round out my, my experience and my resume. So I uh, jumped to Octagon in Atlanta, working on Home Depot business, which obviously is a big deal. Yep. And at the time they were really well uh, positioned in, in sports. It was a key priority for them. Things have changed since, but um, that was a great opportunity because looking through partnerships, uh, looking at partnerships through a very different lens, um, really challenged writing, my writing skills, my presentation skills, my communication skills, my points of view, my recommendations, like really stepping back, using the information, research, insights, Scarborough, Simmons, like all this data that was really the new thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So taking that information and making a very educated recommendation on a a piece of business that you present then to the client to then say yes or no. So that really was a a really big shift for me. Uh, And then after that, I, well, while I was at Octagon, I I realized that I missed that game, that team effort. Um, Not that Octagon doesn't work as a team or other agencies don't. No, but it's it's a very different different mentality. I worked on the World Cup soccer and Super Bowl events. And when you get, it's almost like being part of a political campaign. Mm -hmm. You're so in the trenches with a group of people day Mm -hmm. in, day out. And for that period of time, you eat, breathe and sleep. Yes. All of that. And you become a family. I mean, I worked on the World Cup soccer back in 94. There are a group of us to this day that still have this very intense bond. And so I think there is something. It's just a different team environment. It's what I I describe it as that North Star. Like everybody's driving to the North Star and at Octagon and other agencies, you know, there's very uh, different business units and silos that, that everybody has their own objectives to meet. But when you're on a team and you're driving to the Stanley Cup, that is the only goal. And what's going to, you know, not get in your way, that's the goal. And so I missed that. And I yeah. I was like, to my family, I was like, I, I need to get back to that. Like, I'm missing that adrenaline. And um, so I, I was not um, overly open to moving to the Northeast. It's just not, didn't really fit in our lifestyle. And a lot of the the leagues are all based yeah. there. And then back to the Wayne's World family, um, Mike Mossholder uh, worked for the Dolphins when I worked for the Panthers. So we knew of each other. And he was the new um, SVP of partnerships uh, for the UFC. And so he sought me out and I sought him out. And it just, that's what happened. And it was very interesting because he said he was looking for someone with team team experience or property experience, league experience, agency experience, um, and um, Fortune 500. And I was like, well, you just hit the trifecta. I just hit all of those things. Right. And I'm someone, I'm kind of someone like this extended family because we kind of work together, you know, in in Florida. So it just worked. I mean, Vegas wasn't in my... I was going to say, not a lot of people think of, gee, I'm going to go look for a job in Vegas. That's probably what we could name on two hands. Correct. In our world, who really you'd want to go work with. Yeah. And yeah, we did our research. We looked at where to live and and clearly, you know, we actually love it. We've been here 10 years. Um, So we really do like it here. The lifestyle, the climate. Uh I mean, we're close to a lot of things and and outdoors and hiking and all the things that the Strip doesn't offer you. uh, We love. So we moved. So that was a big deal, but working on the global space, it was enlightening. 
um, working with pay-per-view dynamic, which is very different than I've ever had to do, uh, working across different regions and cultures and how people do business in, in different parts of the world was mm. a great learning experience. So I went from a very small 75 mile radius in Florida to Home Depot, which was North America, and then to UFC, which was global. And now I'm continuing with, with the global space, but now in entertainment, gaming, hospitality, right. and just this well, massive ship. It, well, it feels like so many of these roles have prepared you for what you're doing mm -hmm. today and such an incredible company. You know, I'm LA based, been coming to Vegas since I was a teenager <laughs> with my family and my husband, right. which started in high school and, you know, we've been married forever. So we've had, you know, millions of trips, but I've done so much business there. I represented chefs, restaurants, um, a huge retail project in the middle of the strip, did massive partnership deals. So I look at Vegas through a very different lens. I represented the Keep Memory Alive Foundation and the Lou Ruvo Center yeah. for Brain Health. So, you know, really know that market from a very business to business standpoint. Right. And it is an extraordinary place to be able to do business. Now, needless to say, the last year has been rough on everybody, but being in travel, entertainment, a tourism market, um, tell me a bit about the shifts that you've had to make, the pivoting and the reinventions, if you will, that have come up. I mean, everybody had to kind of sit back and pause for a little bit and go, okay, how do we figure this out? I was there in Vegas for our event, February 18th, 19th, 20th, or 17th, yeah. 18th, 19th, I think it was. And I just thought, my God, I'm so glad I was there then, but that was the last trip yeah. that I took anywhere. Um, and we had about 800 people from all over the world in for that yeah. event. Yeah. So how's, how's yeah, this year been, been for you? Well, it's been quite a year. It's, it's interesting because obviously we have taken a hit and the company as a whole um, had to make some really difficult decisions with staffing and, and furloughs. And, and we were left with a very, very small team. Uh, my team of 11 was just myself and two other people. Uh, so we were, mm -hmm. we were a very small team. Uh, wow. I don't think we've ever worked this hard as far as amount of hours being accessible, being so thankful that you had a job that you were going to answer every email at any yeah. time of the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was so no true. reason that you shouldn't be tuned in. That that was my lens. I'm not going to speak yeah. for other people. No, but, well, um, look, I think the same. You know, what else am I going to do every single evening other than you know, right? Watch and, television or talk to yeah. friends or and something. There's also, so, only right. so much TV, and <laughs> like and, I can. You know, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Only so many shows you can catch up on. But yeah. um, what in my lens? Because I, I wasn't. I'm not at a property per se, but the fact that we actually had this time to refocus and re-identify some goals really um, cleared the air for us. You know, mm -hmm. we, you know, when we're turning and burning and, and the hustle and bustle of, of Vegas, you really get clouded in, in what that goal is at the end of the day. And what, what the pandemic did for my team is that it, it really hone, had us hone in on what the end all goal was. And it is to drive traffic, it is to drive revenue, and it is to find those partners that make sense for the company. And we had a very targeted list of priorities that we were just 100% focused on. And if it didn't fit into a certain parameter, we put you on the back burner. Thank you for your interest. Yeah. 
when we get Not more staff, we'll get back to you. And it really cleared the air for us. But I have to say that statement that you just made, I think, is so befitting of so many circumstances, both individually and business-wise, mm-hmm. where people have had that moment, and I talk about this a lot in my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, <laughs> of the importance of pausing and listening. And we run around in this hair-on-fire lifestyle yes. 24-7 doing and being and going and making to-do lists, whether it's on a personal level, whether Mm -hmm. it's in our businesses, and we don't stop and give thought to what's really important or what's Mm -hmm. really necessary. So we do what we think has to get done. But when you look at what you've done every day, you just go, really, how much of what I did today was really Mm -hmm. about that bottom line or those goals or those KPIs? And yet we're too busy to really stop and do that. And we right. talk about needing to do it, but we don't do it because we're too busy tending mm-hmm. to the business at hand. So I think there was kind of that silver lining that so many of us witnessed and have experienced in the last year where we've mm-hmm. been able to sit back and do that and hopefully thoughtfully come to that point that you speak of where you really did identify what it is that you need to focus your time and energy mm-hmm. on, especially when you're down a few people and right. you really have to be very, very precious about where every moment is spent. Right. And so. it was interesting because internally, as people would come to us and we would say, honestly, we don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the staff. They understood because they also didn't have the staff. Yeah. So when I had to say no to something or when I couldn't dedicate time or money or hours, they understood. And so finally, yeah. it wasn't like, I felt like I was saying no, because I never want to say no to anyone, right? There's always something that I can do and help with. And I always felt like obligated, like to say yes to everything. And I, I, for once was like, no, I really, we can't. And I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So I said, unless you want to go to bat and get me some additional salespeople or additional, you know, activation team members, then you can go to bat for me, but everybody knew they weren't going to get a yes. Right. <laughs> so were you all working from home? Like what we was were. the company culture like for you and your team yeah. and, the, and the bigger, the bigger company, company wide, but also, you know, your immediate group. Um, yeah. That's hard to maintain culture. And I think that's something that a lot of people have been challenged. A lot of people have actually found an incredible new level of culture that they never had before. Cause they're actually stopping and connecting with one another in a different yeah. way. So what, what was that like for you? Yeah, we were a close-knit group because there was only a handful of us. Um, and unfortunately, over time, you know, every every team meeting sometimes got a little smaller and, and you were just, again, thankful to be on that, that team's call. <laughs> yeah. um, and and we, we did create that, you know, opportunity for us to come and go into the computer, right? So you can see when somebody's green or yellow or red and their little team's color is like, are they busy? Are they available? And so you just pop in like, hey, are you okay? Or what's going on? And it really, you know, there's not, there's no drive time. There's no travel time. Uh, We rarely block off our lunches because we just, they're open, Uh, (laughs) right? So I'm here. And and everybody's working at that same pace. Uh, I've never it would be interesting to hear a, a person that had left and then come back, um, jump into the pace that we're working at because it is, I can't even describe the pace that we're wow. working at. Um, I, I mean, I think it's healthy because I thrive on that. You pace. love it. Exactly. I love it. I yeah, don't think yeah. it, it's probably for everybody. Um, so we are still working from home. There are, uh, my direct report and, uh, 
my, our executive assistant, we're going back into the office. Eventually we, we have, we actually moved offices during this time. Um, and then everyone else was granted the ability to work from home. And then mm-hmm. as they need to come into the office, they can just kind of reserve one of our offices right. or one of the conference rooms or whatever. But I think right. our team enjoys uh, working from home and, and enjoys the flexibility. And to be honest, I can get a hold of my team at any point in time if I need to. Right. I think, well, that's, I think people have become more 24 seven available mm-hmm. because in the norm of a workday, it's a different working experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's really healthy for a lot of people. I mean, some yeah. are dying to get out of the house if they've got young ones and they need to get out. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Mine are oldest, unfortunately. I don't deal with that. Yeah. Um, I got to ask you, what is the favorite part of what you do for a living? I mean, I think you and I both in the partnership business, the sponsorship business, there's sort of, you know, there's this like really amazing part of what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. But is there a part that you really love that, you know, and has it changed over the years in just these different jobs? Are you really sort of in a place where you're thriving with what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, where do you see going from here? Yeah, I have a few different answers to that. One, one of the things I've, I love about my job and my role in partnerships is that it challenges me to learn my customer's business. So while I may, while I knew the Florida Panthers business after 13 years, like the back of my hand, I did it during two pregnancies. It was wow. quote unquote the easiest thing I've ever done because I knew yeah, it so well. Yeah. What challenged me was continuing to be like, oh, how do I sell a car? How do I sell a can of Coke? How do I sell a case of beer? How do I how do I how do I use our assets to drive someone else's business and bottom line? So that to me is what is exciting, and um, is always fresh like and is we, a great sign of someone who understands partnerships. So right, you know, I don't want to just you, sell something. You take something. it for granted, but <laughs> yes. let, let's put a little punctuation point on that Thank because you. people who don't think that way don't yeah. understand partnerships. Right, right. Uh, the other thing that I love is that being in a company like MGM, there are so many areas of the business that don't come naturally to me because it's not something I've, I've grown up in. So whether it's hotel operations, parking and security, food and beverage, like there's so many different areas of the business, you know, casino, I haven't, I've barely tapped into because it's such a massive, it's our, it's our driver, right? Like that's everything about us. And so, but it's such a well-oiled machine. It's a little daunting to be like, well, how does the casino business work? And I'm not a gambler. So I don't, you know, I, I don't even have that like fandom about about gambling right, and betting and, right. and casinos and things like that. So learning that is is really exciting to me because it's something that has not been in my wheelhouse forever. And then um, another another thing about my job every day and that it goes back into this reinventing myself is that much of my career has been dedicated to the activation fulfillment and partnership development. And I've not been a true, true salesperson. I'm not, right. I'm not a hunter like that. I, I right. build those relationships and sell and build and, and develop those partnerships into larger, yeah. larger relationships. But, yeah. um, but Lance, who's my, my current boss, gave me that opportunity to do that and to really shift into almost like a chief revenue officer um, right. because now I oversee sales and activation. So it's right. not often that you get that opportunity and someone off the street with just your resume and an application is not going to let you do that. And so well, also with the authentic understanding of mm-hmm. how to sell in a relationship when it's really truly based in understanding relationships. Mm-hmm. 
and you come from that place authentically. Right. So you're not going to walk in the door and go, hey, can I have a check? And by the way, I'll check some boxes for you. You're going to come in the door and say, I've got some incredible ideas of how yeah. we can grow your business with what I work. do. And you truly get that. It's not right. just a line. Right. And that's, I, I mean, I had some closing arguments during my last interview. And that was one of them is like, there's no better person to lead your sales team than the person who's been doing activation for 25 years. Exactly. I love because that. I love it. The reverse of that mentality. It's brilliant. I right. so get it and speak your language. Well, and because so, yeah. as an activation person and leading activation teams for so long, we've always mm-hmm. gotten that deal that's been handed to us. Yeah. And then there's something that we can't deliver or something yeah. that someone didn't realize it was going to cost us that much money or resources or time or effort or outside help or whatever. And then we're just left holding that, that agreement. And like, how do we deliver this news? How do we alter it in a positive way? So, I mean, if you talk to anyone on the activation fulfillment side, someone's going to say some salesperson gave them a deal that they couldn't activate. That they couldn't accept. And they either had to come up with a different solution, go back to, you know, go back to the salesperson saying, where did you come up with this? And so, you know, for me to have a line of sight and, and oversight to the sales process really provides the insight to help our fulfillment teams and our activation teams really over-deliver, which is at the end of the day, what we all want to do. Yeah. So there are a lot of people out there, hopefully listening to this, who are, you and I are making what we do for a living sound like the funnest thing in the world, which frankly, (laughs) I think it is. I think you and I both love what we do for a living. I think there is so much that nurtures our soul from a creative standpoint, Mm -hmm. stimulates our brain from a business standpoint. And the combination of those two sound like you and I both really have a blast doing what yes, we both 100%. do for a living. So people listening to this are going, well, I want to get into this space. I want to get into this business. So for younger people, sort of at a more entry level, um, or for those who unfortunately might have experienced a rough year and are seeking new jobs or new ways to get into this industry, um, is there any sort of advice you would give? Any sort of low-hanging fruit in terms of where to start, how to grow, how to learn, you know what? There's a, a lot of shift going on for a lot of people right mm-hmm. now, and people even questioning what are their priorities in life mm-hmm. at the moment, um, and wanting to have that bit of a reinvention. So, yeah, any advice there. Um, you know, I my advice is always get your hands dirty and do whatever it takes. You know, whether if someone that wants to get into sports, I tell them this all the time: then go volunteer at a 5K. Go, you know, spend every Saturday and Sunday volunteering at some type of community activity where there's an organized Mm. run or, you know, something that is really going to get your hands dirty. You'll know how to run an event. You'll see, you know, the 6am, you'll see the 2am. And that is what I I think really defines, because then you're going to know, like, do I want to be here at two in the morning? Do I want to get up at four? Right. Then you're going to know real quick if that's that's the business you want to be in. Great advice. I love, because I always say when people, you know, if you dream about opening a chocolate shop one day on Main Street, then go volunteer Mm -hmm. in a chocolate shop every weekend if you have to, you know, if you're working nine to five, five days a week, then go in there. Maybe it's not what you envisioned it being Mm -hmm. in your head. Like get in there to your point, get your feet wet and see it firsthand. Yeah. Because you may quickly find out it's not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, everyone wants to be a veterinarian because you see animals all day, but no one really wants to, at the end of the day, that's that's a really hard job to do. Yeah, exactly. I love that. No, that's such good advice. And I think for anybody that is trying to get into a space, an industry, 
try it on, try it on. I talk about it all the time in my book, you know, just experience it, taste it, test it, know what you're really thinking about and make those baby steps. And if you're in a current job, you know, take some time to do that on the weekend so that you can start to figure out if that is your pivot, if that is where you want to go, who you're going to meet through that, of course, becomes invaluable as well. Right. So I love that. Um, God, that's amazing. So any sort of moments of failure in the process anywhere where you had some tough lessons that, you know, you were like, you know what, I'm glad I went through it now, but at the time it was painful. It was. Yeah. There's, there's always time. I mean, I, I do think that, um, when you go through a challenging time, it is during that time, very dark, but when you come out of that and you reflect on it, so, and I'll use the example, like during my time between the UFC and MGM, I actually was not, I didn't have a job. So I took a year, I left the UFC. Um, I took a year to uh, dive into, um, so Wise is a, I was the founder and, and president of Wise Las Vegas, which is about 27 chapters now, but women in sports and events. Yeah. Um, so kind of focused on that, that year I did some contract jobs as well, but looking back and it was interesting just this week, a friend of mine who worked with me at the UFC had said, I'm kind of where you were when you left the UFC. I'm like, well, you were gone already, but it was a pretty dark time for me. And, um, I, I wish I left a little earlier, maybe, um, I wish I, I, kind of stuck to my guns a little bit more, but I was, I just wanted to do a good job so badly that I just, I couldn't let go as quickly as I probably should have. And, uh, I walked away from that feeling, uh, not in a great space, but really use that next year to reflect on what my next step is going to be, where the next place, um, what the next place meant to me and, and where I should go from there. Um, I still love the UFC and then people there and have the utmost respect for the teams there. But there were a lot of changes in the organization uh, that led to that. And it wasn't immediate. It was over two, three years and a lot of changes. And um, I just knew it was time anyway. I mean, eight years is a a really good amount of time. Yeah. To be be an organization that is so fast paced like that. So I love um, that. But I did use that, that year with Wise. Uh, I recently stepped down as the president, passed the baton to another. Um, colleague of mine who I was like, look, this baton will get you into every meeting, every luncheon. No one is going to say no to you. You're yeah. the president of Wise Las Vegas. Go use this baton it's incredible. and build your business, build your brand and do what you need to do. And then lift this membership base back up after being, you know, during the pandemic. Right. So, um, so and now it's, I'm an, it's an exciting chair, so. time to be in sports yeah. in Vegas. I mean, you know, there's been a huge, you know, change there. So yeah, it, it is. is a fun time. That's incredible. Um, any other passions that you've been able to nurture in the last year, anything that, you know, I know how busy you've been, but has there, have you sort of cleared a little space to sort of like delve into things that, you know, now that you're not commuting and sitting in an office, you know, cooking skills, gardening skills, anything that you've just nurtured a bit? (laughs) We, I wanted to, I had intent to, I was going to, my husband wanted me to pick up golf and I just, I, I couldn't. It's just not yeah. a thing for me. Um, yeah. Love hiking. I, you know, that's kind of my happy place is being outside, you know, taking the dogs and my husband and, and hiking and, and doing that. I mean, I'd still been working out a little bit here and there. It just wasn't as fun. You weren't going to the gym and seeing friends yeah. anymore. So um, 
I don't know. I, um, I've realized too, that I don't need to be out every night. You know, when you're working in Vegas, there's too many times where you're at the office and someone's in town, everyone's in town, someone's in town mm. all the time. It's Always. like, meet me for a drink, come out for dinner, yeah. meet me, at, you know, right. at one in the morning at Hakkasan, like it happens, <laughs> right? And, right? And then all the people that come in, they want oh, you to I do something for the weekend, right? Um, <laughs> but I realize that, yeah, I, sometimes now if I'm invited to go out or do something, and even if it's a late dinner, I'm kind of like, well... In my head, I've already decided to like chill on the couch or go on a walk or do whatever. And I'm always, I'm already in my space. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see see when things open back 100%. To see how I think I think a lot of us are having and those of us who are those very I'll say Mm -hmm. business social creatures because because of exactly what you just described. And you know, you don't have to be in Vegas for that to be kind of the norm and you're out already. And it's like, oh, before I go home, yeah, Yeah, I'll meet them for a drink. I live in LA, so of course (laughs) there'd be always people here. And you know, the the thought of kind of re-entering that again, I think is giving people a little yeah. cause for pause at the moment. People going, okay, I kind of am getting a little used to this mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of managing how they're going to feel about yeah. re-entering, you know, full on. And I think there's going to be a slow pace back to it. Yeah. Um, travel, on the other hand, I think we are going to have, I read something today and I had not seen this line before, so I'm borrowing it from what I read. It said revenge travel, which mm-hmm. is like revenge from last year. Like I didn't get to. So look out because yeah. nobody's going to stop me now. And I kind of yeah. feel like I'll be that person because yeah. I'm used to being on a plane every other week. And yeah. I've loved every bit of business travel, let alone personal, of course, um, that I've done. So I'm hoping that, you know, yeah. that's we we did just go to Pensacola for my daughter's official visit um, for college for for volleyball, oh, and I cool. have to say, after two flights there and two flights home, I was done. I was like, ugh, this I'm travels a, for the yeah. hurt. Like, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> right. like, you're wearing a mask. You try not to be near people, but they're all over. And like, right. kind of like the it, mental wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of like sure. everybody just spread out for a second, and I just I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't I was excited to be out and about and doing things, but then at the end of the day. It was, I was wearing masks for hours and hours. Yeah, that's true. Very true. I guess my flights home to Australia are going to be grueling when I do that. Yes, yes, for sure. (laughs) So unfortunately, we're running out of time. And I just, I have to ask you this question because I think it'd be really fun. You've done some pretty cool things. You've met with some amazing people and worked Mm -hmm. with amazing people through your, through the line of business that you're in. So one of these days, you're going to get to have a fabulous dinner party. I hope we all do. Um, if you could have anybody at that table, living or not, anybody that, you know, three or four people that you would love to spend time with, to have a conversation with that would just really float your boat. So um, this is probably not a very exciting answer, but I have this personal board of directors. And so oh, my president yeah. is my husband. Um, but um, they're my yeah. five five, six girlfriends, and I would love to just have dinner with all of them at one time. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a starstruck person. And yeah. I guess that's from being in a business for so yeah, long. Exactly. Like, I don't have that yeah. need to, you know, sit with Motley Crue or Madonna, even though like right. I would be front and center for those concerts. I, right. I don't have the need to like be with them. Like, like you've explained with like a dinner party. I would literally yeah. like, those are the people that oh. invested in me. You know, I don't think 
famous and we people miss that. Are, right. Like, I don't think famous people are vested in me. Like, they're not going to have yeah. that conversation with me. Like, but I would yeah. love to have that conversation with that. My, my That's personal amazing. Director, I love so. that. Somebody said to me the other day that they'd love to just have their grandmother at the table. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? Yeah, so would I. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's pretty spectacular. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And that just says so much about, you know, being grounded and grounded in who you are and what you what you do and, you know, the appreciation for the life mm-hmm. and the people you surround yourself with. So I love I love that we can end on a note like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, Brett, thank you for sharing of yourself today and just, you know, really inspiring in terms of the work that you're doing and continue to do and your path to get there. And I really appreciate it. Great. So thank, thank you, you so very much. much. I'm honored and, to be on your oh, podcast. Thank so, yes. you. Great. And Love for it. those, anybody listening that uh, enjoyed this conversation every week on Thursdays, we drop the new episode of The Power of Reinvention. If you're interested in my book, you can go to the website, thereinventionexchange.com, and there's tons of blogs and virtual chats and podcast content and everything you could possibly imagine to be inspired and motivated to reinvent and pivot at this very interesting time in our lives. And there are some amazing people like Brett who are sharing and contributing to the conversation. So check it out and happy reinventing everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.